You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Now from Inverse Press, the absentee. When a test pilot returns from an interdimensional quest to find a new energy source, he finds himself possessed by a demon. He learns to control the demonic form of his own mind and use its supernatural abilities. But while he is away, the demon uses his body to wreak havoc. Get this terrifying comic written by Kevin Laporte with art by Rando Dixon at InversePress.com. The Absentee. Welcome to the Cult Movie Cantina. This podcast takes a look at our favorite cult films, introduces them to someone who hasn't seen them. Me. Pairs them with a great alcoholic beverages. She's not here today. And then we talk about it. Um, this week we took a look at Jaws 2. And so that's going to be fun. I'm your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty, and I'm joined by... Uh, Justina, the Jellical Jester. Uh, Stephanie is not with us. She's out being a witch. Yeah, she is. She's in the Macbeth production, so they're in rehearsals. So super break a leg. Get it, girl. Uh, this week, though, we have a guest, a filmmaker and a writer who's currently fil- uh, whose current film, Survey, is doing very well in the festival circuit, including w- winning Best Fantasy Film in the Florence Film Awards. Congratulations and welcome, Steve Wise. Hey, Scotty, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. So tell us about this film of yours. Um, well, it's a short film. It's uh, 12 minutes long, and uh, that's about it. No. <laughs> it's, um, it's a film about nothing. It's yeah, a very, it's, very it's, Seinfeld it's nothing, short film. Just uh, 12 minutes of blank screen. No. Um, <laughs> it's very experimental. It's actually a fantasy sci-fi, science fiction uh, action film, and it's set in a time period of nomads uh, we don't know if it's far future or far past um, but it involves this woman who's kind of a nomad kind of a Clint Eastwood man, if, man with no name type of character except obviously female uh, and she comes across this young girl who has been orphaned left in the middle of the woods has to take her to safety and along the way these marauders attack and she has to fight them and, uh, and that's the that's the film. That's very cool. Very cool. I actually saw an earlier cut of it uh, a while back when you were still working on it. And so uh, what I saw, I really, really enjoyed. So very, very Thank cool. You. Uh, you were telling me there's a screening coming up. Uh, there is. Uh, for folks that are in the Pensacola area, uh, this Saturday, uh, that's September 14th, at 7 p.m., we're going to be doing a screening at um, at Sam's Fun City, and they have a, a pavilion that's covered with a nice projector and really nice system. We're going to be doing a cast and crew Q and A after the screening, um, and we're also going to be featuring a couple other short films made in the in the area, oh, very good. Um, including one by Derek Diamond, who you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And. Um, Another by a filmmaker named Nick Smith. That's going to be his uh, Florida premiere. Oh, wonderful. And Derek's film has already started racking up some awards also. So uh, um, so it should be a really nice evening. And we're also going to, after the Q&A, we're going to do a special screening of what I call Survey Noir, which oh. will be a black and white cut in 3D. How very George Miller of you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Very nice. Your own Chrome edition. I like it. Exactly. I like it a lot. <laughs> Getting those DVD extras out ready to go. I got you on that. Well, the, the cinematography by Kevin Almodovar. I apologize, Kevin. Uh, I messed up your name again. Kevin messed up Almodovar um, is just beautiful. Um, and it looks really nice in black and white. So uh, we did that for the 3D conversion, and uh, just I was very happy with the way both the color and the black and white versions look. Oh, very, very cool. Well, be sure to get out there and check that out. But unfortunately, we're going to talk about not nearly as a cool film as Steve's. We're going to talk about Jaws 2. <laughs> but first... But first... Uh, <clears throat> I forgot which voice I was going to do. Already. <laughs> If you would like to follow us, you can find us on any fine podcast app by searching for the Mopcast Network. Yes? Good? Sure, Keep going? I'm, I'm no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Please you, subscribe. You, you don't commit. You're not committing. And give, and give us a good review. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, trust us. It helps. It really does. Uh, and we love it, too. We love to read all the reviews. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Mopcast. Mopcast. We're all doing We're all doing a terrible job of speaking. Mopcast Network, where we have our podcasts, videos, mashups, and short films waiting for you to enjoy. Make some popcorn, because popcorn is also delightful. Uh, subscribe and set the alert so you don't miss anything. Nothing. You don't want to miss any of it. You do not. If None you of want, it. If you want to find out more about the Cult Movie Cantina, you can join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cultmoviecantina. There you can find out the latest movie news, see trailers, play games, including wrong title only, and caption this... Talk to other cultists. Find out uh, if and when we're doing live shows near you. I finally played uh, Wrong Title Only. Did you? Yeah, because uh, I'm terrible at film. So right. I just <laughs> this is play. the perfect game for you. <laughs> uh, did you see my title? I, I do not remember. Uh, do you want to wait and talk about it in the show? Or should no, I tell you, can, now? you can tell uh, me now. I, you posted that image, so I did uh, shark bait. Hoo-ha-ha. Oh, <laughs> no. I was so we proud we of that. posted a picture of the uh, the killer, the dead killer whale uh-huh. scene from Jaws two, and just wrong title only. And so we had some doozies. My favorite, my my favorite was uh, when Harry met Sally, <laughs> and then there was fifty first dates. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. I saw the fifty first. Was that yours? Yes, I was oh. uh, proud of that. <laughs> I'm proud of that too. Well done. Because <laughs> of the couple coming up and everything, it's crazy. So if you guys would like to see any live shows, you can find us here at Horrorgross for Halloween Festival on October 26th and 27th. We'll have a table where you can meet and chat with us. You I can. might be in costume. I probably. You guys probably. To probably Plus, we'll skates. have some cool <laughs> swag to give out and a chance to win cool prizes. I will most definitely be in skates. We'll also be recording a live cult movie cantina episode and also horse hosting a horror themed version of our game show hashtag hashtag last but not least i have a new comic book uh, out on kickstarter now uh, chronicles limbo is a science fantasy comic that has lasers monsters and other cool things almost it's almost ready for print and all we need is your help getting there it's written by me and with art by my good friend john walker it's a cool story that i've been working on for a very long time and i'm excited to share it so uh, we launched on the 8th and so we're uh, we got 30 days to raise two thousand dollars and so we need your help so uh, please uh, donate, uh, share the campaign with your friends. Um, easiest way, I learned today that you can Google Scotty White Kickstarter, and first thing that shows up. Which that's is, cool. Because Kickstarter doesn't give you instant, like, easy links. And that's my big fl- should be Kickstarter, at least my names or something. Yeah. You know, or from my account, but no, it makes it difficult. It's like KJ56 dot something, and it's like, you can't say it's that. It's like Wi-Fi password. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like, absolutely have, terrible. What is your Wi-Fi password? And you're like, let me just show you the box. I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> 
But uh, you can Google Scotty White on Kickstarter, and uh, well, we should be the top result. Or you can check the link in our show notes. Ha! Huh, good. All the plugs are done. <laughs> now we can get to the show. My uh, accent was cooler than yours. Just yes, part it, of was. One. it was. It was. Part of one. I, I liked. I liked your your Thank crazy you. prospector. Thanks. I, it wasn't really a prospector. I lost that one. So um, our, again, our movie is Jaws Two: The Terror Continues. vast and unknown depths of the ocean. How could there have been only one? relationship with Jaws. I know you're a huge Jaws fan. Oh, when we, yeah. Jaws is my favorite movie. Yeah, you and I time. were talking yeah. about how much you love Jaws, and then I was like, can we do Jaws 2 on this movie? <laughs> Which is, no, it's like, oh, you like your favorite. We want to do the other one. <laughs> is that the same as, like, the Star Wars, where you're like, can we do the, the new three? Right. Yeah, and they're like, what? what? <laughs> well, uh, I actually saw Jaws 2 before I saw the first movie. Oh. <laughs> and Because, you know, I was a little kid at that time, and I was way too young to see the first film. And, but by the time that the second film came out, I was at an appropriate age where my parents let me go see it. And, but by that point, all of my friends generally were older than me, and they had already seen the first film and told me every single detail about it. And, I mean, we would go you know, play Jaws out in, you know, neighbor's backyard. They had this trailer that was the Orca. And, <laughs> oh, that's uh, neat. Yeah, so... I knew the movie without seeing it. So, first, so of, first of all, the you're the first, first child I've ever known, first person I've ever known. Is, we played Jaws. <laughs> That's awesome. So when Jaws 2 came out, I saw that and absolutely loved it. Right. And then they re-released the first movie in the theaters before putting it on television. And it was during the summertime, and I saw Jaws, the first one, six times that week. Wow. Just... I mean, we would stay in the movie theater and just watch it again. And by the about the third time, I was able to uncover my eyes during certain scenes. Um, and, and of course, that just kind of that really blew me away. But um, 
in addition to the movie, one of the first record albums I ever owned that I purchased myself was the soundtrack to Jaws 2. Oh, John Williams. I mean, it's a good, John cho- Williams. good, cho- good choice there. So, I mean, I knew the music as much as I did the, you know, the video right. from it. And so it, it was, that was my introduction to the world of Jaws. Oh, that's cool. I, J- Jaws, I, w- I got introduced very early too as a child. I was living in Texas with my mother and I was in daycare and I was one of the older kids in daycare. I was before school age, but I wasn't really small. And so I remember they had split the kids up to the little, little kids and then the not so little kids. And so they, they basically pacified us with movies, but they didn't care what we watched everything. And I saw Jaws twice. Well, once and a half. Well, we watched one week. I remember watching and watched the whole thing. And then the next week they were like, we'll just watch Jaws again. And uh, they, had this, they had this rule where it was like, well, if the movie's too scary, you can go, we'll get you to the other room. Well, all the cool toys were in the other room and there was no toys here. So I was like, I'd watch half of Jaws and go, I'm scared. I wasn't scared at all. <laughs> so I went to go play with the other toys. So uh, I saw Jaws 2 at a, on a sleepover when I was in elementary school and loved it too because it was like... The ending, especially just the end, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. But it's very super dramatic and weird, and it's yeah. like, well, when you're like eight, you're like, oh my god, you can fight a shark that way. And so, <laughs> so I really got to kick out. This is the first time you've watched it. Uh, any Jaws? Yeah. <laughs> so really? okay, I have seen scenes from Jaws one, Jaws, Jaws, um, while I was in film school. Like there were certain scenes you had to watch, but. I actually commented on the fact that we started watching it and then the music started playing when the shark showed up. And that's the first time I heard the music, not as a joke, mm-hmm. actually in the movie. I was like, oh, hey, I know that sound. So uh, it was interesting. I wasn't confused, which was nice. I was expecting to be lost having not seen the first one, but you don't have to see them together, which was nice. No, the only thing that you really need to know about it is there had been a shark and yeah. <laughs> Chief Brody fought the shark and... That that's pretty much yeah. all you need to know. They kind of they kind of wrap that up a little bit where it's like you can't do this every time, and he's like, I'm not gonna live through it again. And you're like, oh, so this happened before. Yeah. Okay, cool. Jaws. Let's, There's let's, Jaws. Well, let's get into this thing, and I will I will lean on your Jaws expertise on this, and because I butcher French names all the time or names in general. Genot Swark. Swark is that Swark? I got Genot, but Swark was different. Uh, so uh, Jaws two was directed by Genot Swark. Written by uh, Carl Gottlieb and Harry, uh, Howard Slackler, based on uh, characters created by Peter Benchley. Starring Roy Schreider, who I absolutely love, as Chief Brody, Lor- uh, Lorraine Gray as Ellen Brody, Murray Hamilton as the mayor, and a whole slew of teenagers. Just a slew of them. Yeah, they were like a lot an of island full of teens. <laughs> doing what they want, too. So, so uh, Different times. How would you sum up this film? Okay, well... Um Okay. Mm. Summer camp gone wrong, pretty much. Kids attend a summer camp, but the parents are there as the counselors. Sharks attack. Gotcha. Yep. How how would you summarize, synopsis this? This is going to be well, so much better than mine. Yeah, because he's... <laughs> Maybe let me approach it from this direction, and, and I did not originate this. I'm stealing it from someone else, but the first movie is classic man versus nature. Right. You know going out against the the great beast. The second movie is a dead teenager film. <laughs> it's straight up a 70 slasher film. <laughs> Although, I mean when you re- really look at it, it really isn't. I mean there there's two deaths. Right. But 
by and large, most of them live. So That's it's true. really more of a, uh, a almost a disaster movie on sea. Right, I got you. I got you. it's, but, it, but I think it's set up like a slasher. Like it's it shot is. like a slasher film. It is, it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, Halloween came out the same year, but it's, I mean, it's got that kind of same feel. It's just in the daylight. It's a PG Friday the Thirteenth on water. <laughs> yeah, I won't go with that. <laughs> so my official synopsis is: So four years after a terrible shark incident, the island of Amity is dealing with dissipating boaters and other mysterious circumstances. The town police chief is uh, is uh, on the case, but no one believes him that there's a shark loose. He shoots up the beach. But lo and behold, there is a shark. And now the former chief has to rescue his kids before the shark eats them. Dun, dun, dun. Yum. <laughs> is it dun, dun, dun? Or should I be like, dun, 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 dun. I think I owe John Williams money now. I'm not sure how that works. All right, so... Uh, the way we do this, we have uh, this is the the part of the show called the sermon where we summarize the film itself, and we'll stop along and talk about it as we go along. So, welcome to Amity Island, a great place to vacation, enjoy some big hair and cool times while living in the late seventies. Well, unless you're a teenager, an underwater photographer, a skier, or one who drives a ski boat, then then that your life for you isn't great. Listen, she did that to herself. Okay. <laughs> Like who? First of all, who has like gallons of gasoline and then just lights herself on fire? Like that wasn't even the shark. She did that to herself. Oh, we'll get to it. Trust okay. me when we cover yeah, that. Yeah, I, l- I love the fact that she has this huge <laughs> tank of gas in the boat, all over. as opposed to just keeping it in her, you know, garage or boat yeah, deck yeah. or whatever. No, she has to bring it. In. How how long are her boat journeys going to be? That she I needs was going to gonna fill ask. Up? Like in that time, did you run out of gas quickly? Did she need? Because there was more than she's one. Going too. She had a couple she's, of them. She's going away to Canada. Our story opens with two divers who are checking out the sunken wreckage of the Orca. The boat from Jaws, if you don't recall. They're taking photographs and being all cool when they're attacked by a great white shark. And well, you know how it goes. What goes underwater stays under the water. Well, except for the camera that took some wild shots of the people being eaten. Luckily, that camera will be found by the police. More on that later. Amity has a new fancy dancy hotel being opened. And it's you know a big deal for everyone. And everyone is invited to check it out, including Chief Brody, resident shark killer and keeper of the peace. Who is also very, very late to the party. Like super late to the party. Honking his horn, horn the whole way. Getting dressed as he's driving. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, oh. Uh, Brody's wife is running the shindig with, uh, for her boss, Lynn, and, uh, who is the developer of the hotel. We have a ribbon-cutting ceremony over the pool, not by a door, which I thought was weird, by Tina, who is Miss Amity, who will pop up later in the film. So, yeah, so we got this party going on. Uh, there's a high school band playing. Um, which he thanks repeatedly. Yes. Every time they play, he's like, thank you, You're, band. He's, I, you know, the mayor is kind of... He's been accused of being sleazy. I've, I've, I've read reviews and, and something. No one, the performance of the mayor is great, but the character, everyone's like, we're kind of shady. I'm like, I get what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I get what he's doing. The, you know, he's he's got a, it's a tourist town. He's got to keep the tourists there. So he's like, no shark, new hotel. We got to fill this hotel. So that's what he's really, really, I feel it. Well, you know, there was actually a cut scene that a little bit later in the film when the town selectmen kind of turn against Brody, that he's the only one that's in support of Brody. Right, right. And they cut it because of pacing, but it's like that, that's really a kind of a nice little thing it's a, there. It's that, a good character 
arc for him. You know? Yeah, because he was really the antagonist, the human antagonist in the first film. Right. And he kind of plays that role in this one, but he still... We, we've seen that he has grown to the point where, yeah, he's he's in favor of, of the chief. Right, he's solely in favor of the chief. Or but the, we don't because the scene was He's cut. the cut. <laughs> um, uh, where, uh, where was I? Uh, so Miss Amity, who will pop up later in the movie. Now we follow a bunch of teenagers doing a bunch of teenage things. We got uh, the Brody's son, Mike, who mysteriously grew up a lot from Jaws 1. He's like 17. Jaws 1, he's like 11. I mean, just... Time travel, man. Time travel. Uh, Larry Jr., the mayor's son, Brooke and her cousin Jackie, and some nerdy teenage guys, and blah, 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 more faceless teens. Uh, they like sailing and sailing, and it's an island. What else is there to do? Can we talk about sailing real quick? Can yes. Can we talk about those we, sailboats? Yes, we can definitely talk about the sailboat. Um, how much does a sailboat cost in that time? And why is it every single teenager? Ha- was that like the equivalent of getting a car? Like you didn't get a car, you got a sailboat in Maine? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. If, if you watch the making of Jaws 2 on the, on the DVD, they address that very issue. Because oh, the, the uh, Jeanneau Schwark, the director, basically, I, either he or Carl Gottlieb, basically looked at it as during that time period, cruising was really big, where teenagers had their cars and would just cruise around town. Right. What do you do on an island? You cruise in a sailboat. That's that's neat. So did I will say. So did teenagers really cruise in their so- sailboats back in, I, I guess, Nantucket? No idea. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same thing, just a, different, <laughs> just a different way to do it. I guess. I mean, yeah. and that's what they look like. They're just, you know, just tooling around on, on, on the water. I mean, they're enjoying themselves. That's fine. As now, a parent, I don't know if, I mean, I get it's a different time. Like than it was back then, and kids just went and did what they wanted to. They'd be like, "Oh, you're gonna go just sail in the ocean with your friends? Cool, bye. See ya. <laughs> Take the sailboat. Don't crash. No. Don't sink. It's no. all right. No one's wearing a life vest ever, except for the chief's kids. Yeah. Like they're the yeah. only ones that are ever in life vests. Yeah, that's true. Because you know, because you know, chief already raised them right. That's right. He's not good with boats either, so I don't think he really likes the water, especially after the. Incident in Jaws. I don't know why he didn't quit and be like, I'm done. Well, you know, it's funny because he he was scared of boats in the first movie. Right. Oh, yeah. But because apparently because of the events that happened in the film, he's okay now getting into a boat, (laughs) even though he's not good with it. Oh, he's terrible with it. He's okay at getting into one. (laughs) See, I assumed that his boat thing came after the first movie. Not having seen that one, I assumed that he didn't like them because of whatever happened in the first movie. I didn't realize he was also scared in that one, too. I just thought that traumatized okay, him. Yeah, was not fond of boats. It's good to know. Interesting. Uh, next, we have Terry, a water skier, skier, and her friend Diane. Who's driving mm-hmm. the boat? Diane. That <laughs> sounds like a name of someone who pour gasoline on themselves. <laughs> They're all doing uh, their thing when the Great White just straight up and eats Terry. Just straight up. We don't really see a lot. There's a lot of cool camera angles and stuff. There's no blood, but it's she's, she's just straight up eats Terry. It's then, a fast-moving it's, shark. It is a fast-moving mm-hmm. shark. Uh, caught up to that boat real quick. Uh, Diane then can't find her friend because it just got straight eaten up, and uh, she starts looking for her, giving New Jaws, who I'm going to call for the rest of the movie, <laughs> Jaws, New Jaws, or Jaws, straight, a chance to straight up eat her her boat. However, Diane is clever. She douses herself with gasoline and the shark too, grabs a flare gun, and well, blows herself up. Not before chawing New Jaws and giving that bitch and scar, because you know chicks like scars. Luckily, there's a witness, and well, that uh, gets Chief Brody on the case. Oh, he's got a. Ma- oh, yeah, we have props for that. We can't say what we'll take pictures of. It doesn't do too well for audio only, but I'm looking at the Mad Magazine version of Jawed 2. 
and jawed uh, too. Yeah. And they they actually address the uh, the woman uh, blowing herself up, where she says, um, you know, as the fish is attacking her, they, I know what I'll do. I'll cook it right here. <laughs> And she did. she did. Well done. So, Rest in peace. So I don't know what the idea was. I I, I get what she's thinking. I'll I will set I will I will put gas on the shark. I think but she But it's was, in the water. I think she was picking it up to hit it. Do you think so? It was picking it up to hit yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. And she was just weak and feeble and poured it on herself? <laughs> and she, well she picked it up upside down and it okay, yeah. like didn't have a cap on See, it. Different times. Okay, different times. I, they didn't have to have one. <laughs> Safety regulations are a lot more strict now. Oh, yeah. They didn't have those safety uh, yeah, nozzles like you have that to, like, you can't twist use. It a certain way. Funny enough, safety then... nozzles were invented because of this movie. Yeah. Um, no, no. the way she picks it up, she and, and I guess the way it was shot, it it looks like to me she's just pouring it on her. She's just like, <laughs> and here's some for the shark. <laughs> that video of um, like people knocking things over and being clumsy, and it's like, oh, people are so clumsy, but it's so obvious that they're making a commercial about being clumsy that it's like, oh, no. And then they hit it, and they're like, ah. Spilled that water. I have not again. seen this. I'll have to find it. If I know, we'll post it in the show notes. Uh, that's what it reminded me of, where it's like you need to accidentally pour it on yourself. And she's like, okay. And then she's like, oh no, <laughs> pouring well, gas on myself. Well, as a filmmaker, I know that it's often difficult to get across on screen character motivations that happen very quickly. Right, right. And, you know, it, you have to stage things very precisely for the audience to get it right and especially if it oh she's picking this up because she's gonna hit it over the head and lo and behold she picked it up upside down <laughs> and the cap fell off and it poured gasoline all over and this is supposed to be communicated in about two seconds yeah it's very quick so yeah and, you know, I, I, I get i get it they, they just did a clumsy job about uh, <laughs> they're, they're like we got it cut print let's go <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> next scene um the PD, the the PD is on the investigation and pretty much uh, dig around. They found a power cable. Don't want to have all the lights in Amityville go out. We might need to kill a shark later. <laughs> Next is a weird Cheerios commercial at the Brody's house. <laughs> you will eat Cheerios. Did you notice that? It was, it was, <laughs> I miss that. So it's the morning and they're all having breakfast and like one kid's like, I, the, the, Sean's like, I want Fruit Loops and they're like, and Mike's like, you'll have Cheerios and no, I want Fruit Loops and Mike goes, no, you'll have Cheerios. They kind of puts the box toward you know right toward the audience so you can buy your Cheerios. Could have been well, like Cheerios. Gonna, product placement. Happy. Product placement has been around for a while. That's true. It has, <laughs> and it was really good product placement. Um, uh, the Brodies feel well. The older bro Brodies, mom and dad, feel that Mike needs to get a job, but you know he's got sailing to do. So Mike goes hanging out, uh, sailing with his friends, they end up at the lighthouse with his buddies when they find a chewed up orca, and the police are yet called again. Uh, Brody is now with a marine biologist who is our stand-in from Richard Dreyfus, because he's busy and he didn't want to do this movie because Spielberg wasn't doing it. Um, fair point. It was fair point. Well, even Roy Scheider didn't want to do the movie, but yeah, we got. Well, we're going to talk about that one later. So <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah, poor Roy Scheider. I love him so much. So. Uh, found a chewed up orca. Let's see where was that? Oh, Brody is with a marine marine biologist who is a so uh, uh, is. The marine biologist isn't so sure a shark attacked the killer whale. Brody tries to lay down the Jaws Wikipedia knowledge he's got from the first movie. And she's like, sharks don't take revenge. She's going to learn that's not true. They did Until the fourth movie. <laughs> the fourth movie. How many are there? Four. Four. Okay. The last one is, is literally one called The Revenge. Okay. Jaws The Revenge. Yeah, and it, it pretty much ended the series. It, it, <laughs> if I can quickly synopsis that one, Ellen Brody, who's still played by the same actress, 
They're in the Caribbean. They're like South Florida. They're like way south, and the shark comes after her way south. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean, the younger son, gets eaten by a shark, and so she goes to visit Mike, who's in the Bahamas, and the shark follows her. Yeah. The, so those sharks no, are really right. against that family. They hate yeah. the Brody family. Like, there needs to be a fifth one where whatever kid is left, that goes after their kids' kids. Like it's like many, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. What, what, uh, I'm looking I, at you guys. Spielberg. <laughs> Do it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Birdie, uh, Birdie then grounds Mike from the water because he's like, there's a shark. He didn't even let him take his boat back. No. We're Somebody gonna, else had to sail it back. He'll go get the boat. Uh, Birdie goes to tell the mayor that they have a shark problem, which doesn't go well because tourism, and we got a new hotel to fill. Um Brody, then, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, Brody suddenly makes poison-tipped bullets. He's <laughs> and then tells the second in command to get that film in the camera they found underwater developed. Uh, we find out that Richard Dreyfus can't be in the movie because he's in the Arctic. And uh, so Chief Brody has to take on Jaws 2 on his own. He's got this. He does. He made some bullets. So next he's day, good. Brody's in a shark tower, which I didn't know was a thing. They're really a thing. So I learned that while doing research. And he's watching for sharks. Uh, there's some... Uh, investors in big ways show up and the mayor and Lynn are showing them around and they're all worried that Brody's looking all like he's crazy watching for sharks. It's not good for business. That little bit bothered me that they like quickly ushered the people away. They're like, no, 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 no. It's to measure the weather and stuff. Okay. If I was an investor and there was, it's, if it is a shark tower and they all look the same, like a shark tower, you obviously know that's a shark tower. That's what it looks like. It doesn't matter if there's a person in it or not. You have that there. Wouldn't you feel more comfortable knowing someone's looking for sharks than someone not looking for sharks? I got you. I got that doesn't mean that there is a shark. It means that they're looking like, oh, way to be proactive, buddy. <laughs> Keep an eye out. Right. Thank I, you. I would invest Good my sir. money here because they were looking at it. Because if there's a shark, we're going to know about it. They're on the ocean where there are <laughs> sharks are, in the water. It's not they didn't like hear a about mystery. Jaws it's, one. Yeah, it's not a secret to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what's in the water? Like, we have to get out of here quickly. They're going to find out there's sharks out there. Well, the good thing that he was up there because he sees a shadow in the water and he rings the bell on the shark tower and scaring the beachgoers. They go crazy left and right. He then runs on the beach waving his gun around and just unloads his poison poison tip death machine into the shadow, which turns out to be a school of bluefish. Good thing it wasn't a couple kids with a uh, paper fin again. Right. He's <laughs> not good. Oh, oh, poor guy. I assume that's something that happened in the first one? Yeah. Guess oh, school's out. Spoiler. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, spoilers don't count for me. No, or this show. Uh, <laughs> most of the movies I haven't seen have been out for a while. I don't feel like it's Most people don't anymore. listen to the show going, I can't wait to see this movie. <laughs> Spoiler for a movie that was made in 1975. Right. <laughs> that was one of the largest grossing movies ever made. Yeah, it's true. It created the blockbuster. Uh, like the store that's no longer around, or are you yeah. talking about the blockbuster, <laughs> well, the thing? Like the it was the first major blockbuster. You know, okay. Star Wars came in and made it bigger. It created the summer movie, movie bl- uh, summer yeah. event movie. movie yeah. It'd be cool if it was like the actual store blockbuster. Like they were like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make a store where people can watch these movies whenever they want. Because Jaws to. is amazing. They just get Jaws. <laughs> yeah. We'll fill it with Jaws. And like, no, Mr. Blockbuster, we can't do that. <laughs> you know what? Blockbuster. I want to say that one of the first VHS tapes that my family ever rented was Jaws two. Was it? Yeah. That's- <laughs> It all comes back around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, he gets the photos from the underwater camera, uh, finds one that looks like there's a shark, and he takes it to the town council. 
and starts talking like a madman and about his proof and well that um, that and the shooting on the beach. Well, let's face it, mostly the shooting on the beach. They fire him. That's okay. Brody goes off to get drunk because well, it was the 70s and that's how we dealt with our problems back then. Next morning, Mike sneaks out of the house, but he's caught by his little brother, Sean, and, well, forces uh, Mike to take him along, so he has to. The teens are all out having fun sailing, including Eddie and his girl, Tina, who was Miss Am- Amity, and they go off to have a little fun on their own time when Eddie falls over, and, well, his shark food. Jaws 2 even grabs him, takes him for a ride, and bashes him into the boat. Which is, by the way, the best scene in the movie. It is the best scene in the movie. It just, it just, it's very calm. He just grabs him. Well, I like that the shark was on this side. No one can see me, but just imagine, okay, there's a boat and the shark's all the way to the right and then the kid's all the way to the left and the girl's like, swim faster. Like the shark isn't coming and then just goes, and then she's still telling him to swim as the shark's right here. Like just get there quicker. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that when I was watching it again last night and I think it you know, she, what she should have told him was stay still and do not move. Yeah. Because if the shark is attracted to movement and vibrations, and just, just stand still or stay still. Don't, you know, just take a deep breath and just hold it and float. Yeah, yeah. but she was kind of useless anyway. She's really good at <laughs> ribbon cutting. I'll tell you that. She can cut a good ribbon, but, yeah. you know, about it. <laughs> Limited set of skills there for, for poor Tina. Um, as for Tina, let's say her cheese has slipped off her cracker. She's not very well. She, she's not having a good day. She's mm-hmm. found by the police, luckily, and she's saved, but sort of tells the police about the shark. Very Scooby-Doo-like. Ghost Freddy. Brady, who totally isn't the police chief, still policing and commandeers a police boat to go save his Mike, his son Mike, who's still out on the water with his buddies. Meanwhile, speaking of Mike and his buddies, they're having fun until Jaws 2 goes chomping and sinking some of the boats, knocking Mike overboard and knocking him out until he's rescued by another passing boat and is barely rescued before Jaws grabs. I mean, just real, real quote, close before Mike is turned mm-hmm. into uh, Jaws 2 food. Oh, yeah, and the, and the shark kind of snarls. Right. Too. The shark looked cool, too. That scar, it's like the Freddy Krueger of sharks. It's, 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 it's a great badass. shot with it coming up out of the water yeah, and almost chomping on him. And it's honestly kind of one of the better shots in the film. Yeah. Right? It really is. It is generally you know, scary. I could see audiences jumping. Um, they agree to take him to an island. Of course, they're stopped by Brody, and Mike tells them that you know Sean's out there, and Brody's off on his way to save the day. So the teens are in damaged boats, which they hook together. Uh, they are now trying to float to Cable Junction, which supplies power to the island. Uh, they, uh, they they're pretty smart for being much teens. They are. Well, they like they, they got stuff together. I mean, they would not they last had, like, in the extra woods. Bundles but of ropes, and they were throwing it to their friends. They were very prepared. Yeah, they were. Props. Uh, they try for the island, and as they do, Brody arrives to try to save the day. The boats are now caught on rocks, and the shallow uh, the shallows force of the teens to head to swim for the island. Uh, Sean and Jackie from you know Brooke's cousin, who's also not having the best day. <laughs> Are left behind on the boat. Brody climbs on a power cable, bangs on it to distract the shark away from the kids. The shark takes the bait. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I, need, I, need I thought it. I just yeah. I didn't say it. I don't yeah, it's a podcast. So you say things you think. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he swims from Brody, leaps into the air, and gets, well, a mouthful of power cable and sets uh, that sucker ablaze. No more Sharko. The day is saved. The end. Yeah. That was a very shocking ending. It was. <laughs> very shocking. I love it. But I'm sh- uh, so that that's uh, Jaws two in a nutshell. Oh, 
You lost your microphone. I did. Like, I it lost just, my, I, you were like, that's it. And the microphone was like, done. So, so your favorite parts of this movie? Probably, well, when Eddie buys it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that scene is really masterfully done. Um, but the other scene that always stuck with me, from, and, and it bothered me when I was a little kid, and it still is a pretty effective, is when the other girl... When she pushes Sean up on on the capsized right boat, I think it's Brooke. It was a Brooke. Okay, no characters names. <laughs> I, I tried Girl to get number the, four. Right, um, well, it was it was seriously it was all like that because I mean I, I've I've seen a list a lot, but there's a lot of teenagers, and that's why I just went teenager, teenager, teenager. But there's a ton of them. So anyway, she's in the water. She pushes little Sean up onto the boat, and the shark comes up and swallows her whole. It just eats her. Just, just whoop, eats She's her, gone. Eats her. Up. No. <laughs> Uh, I, Sean, I like I like watching Sean struggle too. It's it's dramatic. Well, it's, and that kid's expressions are really good. I mean, he's terrified on there, and I mean, he looks like he's traumatized. I mean, he just watched this girl getting swallowed whole by his shark right in front of his face. All right, and he's like, "Oh, what am I going to do? Just hang on." He does. It works out. I, and I like um, the guy who I swore was in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, the the big haired curly guy, the Mike's friend um, who. Andy. Andy. I remember that name. Yeah, Andy. Andy. For some reason. Who I thought was totally like the guy who gives Jason his hacky mask in uh, um, Friday 13th Part mm, 3. I don't know. It wasn't. I, I MDB did it. Because uh, like, I know that guy. I did not know that guy at all. And so, uh, but yeah, it's it's really emotional. It's not even his family, but like he takes Sean and hugs him. And yeah. yeah it's, it, it was. And he starts, you know, like yelling at him. You take that yeah, rope. You grab that rope. Yeah. I, I, I like that scene. That's it's really, it's a really good scene. It's a really good scene. How about you? Oh, I just really love the part where the one poured the gasoline on herself. <laughs> that was my favorite. That's, well, yeah, it's uh, they, it really uh, started everything off with a bang. <laughs> so it's a very funny episode, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> funny episodes are the best episodes. Um, I I like um, I I just like Sheriff Brody just doing Sheriff Brody. Like he makes poison bullets. I never thought to do that. I don't think that works, but I was watching. It. So when he, he's got cyanide, and he he's got hollow points, and he he, he daubs cyanide in the hollow points, and he puts wax over it. And I'm like, I'm not sure if that's a thing. They didn't actually ever get used to actually work, did they? No, they no because he, used he, the, he shot the, it into the yeah into the fish. It seems yeah. like it was an interesting thing to do all that effort for, for him to just shoot it into the, the ocean and it'd be done, and then be like, well, we're past that next. <laughs> so they, what we didn't see is the poison fish that you know. <laughs> well, what we should have saw because you saw the birds going after the fish he shot. You just saw the birds like start to fly and then die. Die, right? Yeah, and yeah. He's like, "Sorry, guys. Sorry, I don't know why that happened. That's course, weird." And of course, for me, I love, I love the ending. I love watching Jaws to eat the power line, and I've always liked it. And it's, it, it did not hold up as well as I remembered as my childhood. <laughs> However, I still as. A, you know, you get an A for effort for that. I mean, you really, you really do. It's just like, well, it's a good thing that the shark came out of the water to bite onto the cable as opposed to going up and biting the little raft that he was in. Right, because it, it is clearly an, an expert at um, boats, eating boats. It is chomped in a lot of boats, this, you know, this movie, and so maybe it was trying for something different. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm gonna come out of the water and grab the thing that's in his hand as opposed to the thing that's floating in the water. So well. Can uh, I tell you about what was my least favorite? Yes, please. Jackie. <laughs> go on. So it's like you meet these teenagers and they're about to go cruising. And they're all like hanging out like they're cool. And she's like, you have to hang out go on a blind date with my cousin. You have to go. You have to do this. Like it's a whole thing they establish. And then her cousin shows up and 
comes over and they hang out, which she spent the majority of the movie. I would love to go back and count how many times she says, hurry up and faster. Because that was like her lines. Like, whenever you want to add this, just add it. But all you're going to say is hurry up, go faster, keep going, those kind of things. She said that a lot. But then, all of a sudden, he's working and not sailing, and she's on the boat with someone else, telling them to go faster. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Jackie's a little sailing whore is what she is. Like, she's just jumping around. She's just there well, for the sailboats. Maybe she's from a desert land and not used to the water and just excited to see the water. I don't know. So then the thing happens at the end, and Mike's in the water, and she's panicked and freaking out and having like the shock. Right. I'm like, the whole time, you're just jumping around from boy to boy with a sailboat. That's all you want is a sailboat. Shut Hi. up, Jackie. <laughs> I didn't like her. She can go. Like the curly cousin, she was cute. She can stay. Jackie's got to go. Is she in our murder screw kill thing? Right. She's murder and kill both of them. She can get both of them. Um, I I don't know if my least favorite. I I liked. I mean, for overall, I, I like. I, it's, it's some of it's cheesy. I mean, incredibly cheesy. I you know even the stuff like you know. Like the divers in the band taking poses at the Orca, the wreckage of the Orca, and uh, I mean, just really, really cheesy, but it's fun. I it's really fun in that in that way. So I, I dug it. Um, anything you stuck out that you didn't like outside the, being not as good as Jaws? The middle part of the movie before the kids go out into the water um, kind of drags a little bit, you know, because I mean, really, if you look at it, the, the first half of the movie is all about Brody dealing with this. PTSD, if you will, of the first movie and possibly seeing problems again rising and nobody believing them. So it's all Brody-centric with just some cutaway shots, you know, these scenes randomly of the kids. Yeah, you need to set up who these kids are, but at that point it's like, yeah, get on with it. And then the second half of the movie is about the kids and Brody's just like, okay, I'm going after you. I'm going after you. And he's not really doing anything. I'm going to save you kids. I am. Yeah. So... I'll yeah, figure I out really like really in the first half, and then the second half, it's like they gave him nothing to do other than just I'm in the boat going after him, <laughs> and so he's very. It's probably where we try to go. Okay, I will do this movie, but I will only do like this much of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So this is what you no, know, just gonna. Only... So it was. It's almost like two movies kind of combined, and I didn't really like the scenes with the kids in the first half, and I didn't really like the scenes with with Brody in the second half. So if you could change that, what would you do differently? Uh, I don't know. Um, would now would you I change would, would, Brody or would you change the kids? No, I like the kids, but I think maybe um, focus more on them and make the movie about them specifically. Right. Make it about Mike, um, but then that would kind of take away from Brody's character. So, so I mean, you can you. I think you hype up the peril, make it a little harder for for them to go go get to. I mean, we skipped some some stuff. There's a helicopter that comes yeah. and almost rescue, and then <laughs> Jaws eats the helicopter <laughs> and so I, you know I, I got to that i'm like oh skip it it's, it's just too ridiculous and something we'll just talk about later but it's that happens i i would just up up i would make sure both boys are still on the, out there giving brody that all the motivation to go out there so you yeah. do you have you have almost like an open water situation and then you also have like this rescue trying to well, get to it i love the whole part of their their boats all wrecked and oh. they're just on the wreckage and just kind of floating and they don't know and what they're you know in in the resourcefulness that that you talked about mm-hmm. with uh, and how they were you know really actively trying to think about what to do in their situation and i love that I thought they that was great. Which, which is something that d- didn't really get picked up in in subsequent horror films not not just right. jaws movies but just horror films in general because 
the trope is really, and it's true that they're not very bright. None of the teens are very bright. These are guys who are like, okay, so we're on the water. What we got? The shark trying to kill us. Let's let's band these boats together because we got to you know survive. What else extra do we have? I mean, the only thing they didn't do was build weapons, and so it's like it was. <laughs> well, even like um, as they were getting close to the um, to the junction island, they, a couple of the guys start paddling right and then someone says the shark's in the water and they pull their hands up out of the water and <laughs> right it's like oh, oh yeah right, right we forgot about the sharks yeah cool <laughs> so what if now having not seen the first one but we were talking about how at the beginning brody you could tell that he was still dealing with some sort of residual effects from the first film and the first incident as you will so in the second half he goes after the kids and you see that he slightly hesitates on the boat but it doesn't feel like he ever had anything where he had to overcome anything you're so right. while, like, you could have kept it the same and had the kids in the same situation, but while he was on the way, he had to overcome obstacles mentally to get to them. If they added that, would it be better? Yeah, I think it would be. And, and maybe maybe prolong them out in the water, uh, maybe give them, which, I, like I said, I really like that whole sequence there, but Brody just feels useless. So, yeah, yeah maybe doing something like that where it gives him a little more, something to overcome because yeah. he really... Really, his conflict is just I gotta save my kids. Yeah. At that point. But he still, if he like, he, I I thought he was scared of boats because of the incident. But if that's something that he's always had a fear of, I, I'm a parent and I'm gonna do anything for my kids. But you, if you're scared of something, you still have to overcome that. There's there's still that moment where you have to center yourself and get past that fear. And it's like as soon as they hit the boat with the girl and she says there's a shark, which there's a thing that had terrorized him before he was just like all right cool you guys stay here i'm gonna take this boat which way am i going doesn't matter i'll figure it out and then he takes off <laughs> and then like he gets that. to the island or the lighthouse and he's like i'm alone and then he just goes again like it's not like there's no and you don't see any struggle i think right. if he had his own personal struggle he didn't necessarily have to have it with the shark or with the kids that might have helped with his well and, and if you want to compare this with the first movie which i know you haven't seen yet but i think you said yet the whole maybe we'll see the whole the whole Steve will show it to you. He's going to kidnap you. He's going to show it. But um, basically, Act Three is that exact struggle that you're talking about. Yeah. But it's you know the, the three characters that are basically stranded, or well, they, they kind of become stranded, but they they they're falling apart, and literally the the boat is falling apart too. So it becomes this situation where they're in desperate need mm-hmm. and each one of the characters has its own kind of their own motivation and having to fight the shark and i think that's that's missing in this movie yeah so now we move on to our libations oh yes uh because our 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 um lady of libations is again being a witch so uh, but girl. she has picked she has picked a drink for us that for the, so the next time you watch jaws 2 or if you listen to this podcast the first time you watch jaws 2 you can enjoy while watching Jaws 2. Which uh, she informed us she has had before and said it was delightful. All right. So, so. That's, that's her recommendation. It's called Shark Bait. It has. Uh, do, does she normally do the amounts? Obviously. So people can make <laughs> right. it. Right? I'm sorry, guys. I'm new to this. Okay. So three-fourths an ounce of Captain Morgan Spiced Rum, which is delicious. Three-fourths an ounce of Light Rum, which is also delicious. Half an ounce of Blue Curacao? Curacao. Curacao. Thank Curacao. you. Curacao. An what? island. Wasn't that a Japanese filmmaker? <laughs> well, they made a him into Kurosawa. a, a <laughs> beverage. <laughs> he was so good. Um, one and a half ounce sour mix and three drops of grenadine. So you're going to uh, fill a cocktail shaker with ice. It's a good first start. 
four in all of the ingredients except for the grenadine. That's going to come in later. Shake it well and strain into an old-fashioned glass. If you have a new-fashioned glass, it's not good enough. It has to be old-fashioned. Throw it out. Get something old-fashioned. Go to the Goodwill. Get your glasses. <laughs> yeah, get you a good one. Uh, drop the grenadine over an ice cube and serve quickly so it looks like blood in the water. The picture of this is kind of nice, though. We'll, we'll post it on the show notes, with, of course, with, with the recipe itself. Well, thank you very much. Good job, Pinch. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Um, she can have it back when she comes back. <laughs> uh, I did manage to find some apocrypha for this uh, film. Um, I like that word. I do, too. That's why we use it. <laughs> so uh, this film had another director beforehand, John Hancock. John Hancock, yes. He did. And uh, with uh, Dorothy uh, Tristan writing it. And originally had a different tone and premise. He actually worked on it for about a month before they fired mm-hmm. him because they thought the, the tone and premise was a little too dark. The, uh, the two had envisioned Amity as sort of this ghost town. And then the film opened. There were several businesses shuttered, which to me makes sense with all this stuff happening. I kind of like that. I do. It's a darker It's darker than what they end up doing. Um, the film's opened with several businesses shuttered and the island uh, island's overall economy is in ruin due to the events of the first film. Uh, the new resort and condos built on the island by the developer Lee Peterson were there to help celebrate the rebirth of the island's economy and much-needed booze. Tristan had borrowed a subplot from the original Jaws novel, which I have not read. I bet you have. I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, so I don't but, recall but, a lot of but, details. But Jaws novel, maybe I'll get to remind you. Um, see, uh, Jaws novel had a discard in an early draft of the first film in which Amity officials were in debt to the mafia. Yeah. Both Mary, uh, Mayor Vaughn and Lee Peterson were anxious about the New Island result and not being a success because of the mafia. But they, they cut this. They fired uh, Hancock pretty early on, and they dropped, and they, they had a rewrite on the script. Spielberg also said in San, at a San Francisco film festival that making a sequel to anything is just cheap uh, cheap carny trip. That was before he made sequels. <laughs> and then they didn't even respond to the producers when they asked him to direct. Uh, he claimed that he uh, planned a plot... Uh, claimed that a planned plot to involve the sons of Quint and Brody hunting a new shark would have been interesting. David Brown said that Spielberg did not even want to direct this film because he had done the definitive shark movie. The director later said that uh, his decision was influenced by the problems of Jaws. He didn't want to go through that again. I don't blame him. The, making the first movie was a nightmare. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, yeah, and they, so they tried to uh, solve a lot of the problems of being shooting out on the water off of Martha's Vineyard. Right. By changing the location of where they were shooting. It's true. And so they came down to northwest Florida right and near us. shot it at Navarre Beach. How far are you from Navarre Beach? Um, about a half an hour. Yeah, it's not too, not, not too yeah. far from you. Yeah, I live in Pensacola. Right. So, so <coughs> how long was it between Jaws and Jaws 2? Three years. Three years, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Jaws was such a mega hit, and the studio needed a sequel. No, I mean, so like, like actually in the story. Oh, in sto- the, well, yeah, not like when it came out in the story. So, because, yeah, they, they, those, those movies don't have very good timelines. Right. <laughs> because, because Mike, if, I mean, judging by, was he's, he's got to be, what, 11 in the first one? Um, I think he was like 12. All right. So, if he's, okay, then I kind of buy it because my research said four years, and he's, mm, 16-ish. Do you have to have a boating license yeah. to sail? I think the actor's like 21, but he's supposed to be like... I, I'm not... not a, good question. look this up. Because um, then he would be 16. Or is like a boating license, like your bicycle... Or your, your, micycle, your well, motorcycle actor, license. You if you go like by 15. the actors, the actor who plays Mike in Jaws 2 is older than the actor who played Mike in 
Charles the first Barkley. Right. Um, but the um, Sean, the the two, the same thing. The the actor in Jaws two is older, but only by two years. Right. Where Mike is older by like six years. Right. I mean, because I mean, that's a magical. He looks child. like he's twenty one when he's like, "I'm dad." I'm like, "Are you sure you're a teenager?" <laughs> They all looked older in that time. Plugging beers. But then you go to Jaws 3 that was released in 83. Right. And, you know, so, you know, what, five years later? And suddenly Sean is in college and Mike is a marine biologist. Is that the one Dennis Quaid's in? Is Mike? Is it about Dennis Quaid? I have no idea. I am now looking at it. I don't even know who that is. (laughs) Dennis Quaid was in that movie, yes. And Lou Gossett. Lou Gossett. Bess Armstrong. I keep. I keep. Getting Simon McCorkendale. I will. It's say sad that I know all the actors. No, 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 no. It's not sad at all. It's wonderful. It's absolutely. See, this is my job on the podcast. I'm, I'm like this. I, I know stuff, and so my other co-hosts just kind of stare at me. So it's good for a while to have someone else to do that role. Uh, like Leah Thompson played uh, Sean's girlfriend. Oh, that's intense. No, please keep going. <laughs> Who was the butcher of the meats that they bought? Yeah, Dennis Quaid is Mike in that. And Dennis Street. Quaid played Mike. Mike. Yeah, so yeah. Dennis Quaid is played Mike. And, and then um, who's Dennis Quaid? How do I know him? Uh, I have him on. I, I I was going to list a lot of movies, but I now know that you have not seen those. So and then in Jaws: Revenge, Lance Guest played Mike, who oh, yeah. was somehow younger. Uh, and Lance Guest was known from uh, The Last Starfighter. That's true. That's true. Which I hear. Maybe getting another reboot. Yeah, I keep hearing that, but they keep dropping it. So yeah. I don't know how you would do it. Mobile gaps games or something. <laughs> oh, Last Starfire's a show. That's a movie we need to do on the show. Uh, so there were some five scenes edited from the theater theatrical cut that were re-edited in the television version. Yeah, uh, they did that a lot they, back then. They, well, they had to fill time. There's a lot of that. That's, that's how we got the extended cut of Dune. Because <laughs> well, that exists because we oh, yours went and ours. I've seen that. <laughs> Wait, Is he the it? dad? Yes. Okay, cool. I know him. All right. So, uh, 2004. So you had to go from... 2005. Th- yeah, how many credits? Did, I don't know how many credits you got to him, but I'm glad you know him. That's uh, that's important. I had to scroll for a while, but I found <laughs> it, guys. Got there. So uh, Ellen uh, Brody adds wine to the fruit punch and tells the waitress to smile and look cute. Oh, the parent trap. I know that one, too. Uh, so sorry. Okay, I'm done. Brody gives... Uh, another one is Brody gives Peterson a parking ticket because he was parking in a no parking zone. <laughs> Peterson tells... Tries to talk Brody out of it, and he tells him, "Just pay the expense. Uh, pay the two dollars. Two dollar parking ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen seventy. That's a lot of money. It's like postage. Guys. Um, the what you were talking about earlier. The council argues about the incident on the beach before Brody turns up. The photograph. Uh, Lynn Peterson wears down Vaughn until he agrees to, that the action needed to be taken against Brody. Uh, the council goes to Mayor Vaughn's office and they take a vote uh, to fire Brody. Mayor Vaughn also votes against Brody's firing. And then the shark attack on the helicopter is actually more dramatic. They, he, the shark attacks him after the, the helicopter capsized. Yeah, and you see him underwater and trying to get out of the right. cabin. Wait, and, and, and the, the I guess it wasn't the first draft. An early draft, is, he survives, him and the, uh, the girl who goes well, on. You know why? Please tell us. <clears throat> because the initial draft of the script... Uh, Universal was afraid that it was going to be R-rated, and they could not afford an R rating. You know, you, you, we think that the PG thirteen rating that every all the movies yeah, nowadays the, are PG thirteen for financial reasons. Right, this is nothing new. So in 1978, they were worried that their precious franchise that they were trying to build um, 
was not going to have the audience that they wanted because teenagers wouldn't be able to see the movie if right. they got an R rating. And so they and they, they needed to cut down the number of deaths in the movie. And so they said and, and they also were afraid that having too many teenagers killed would create and give them an R rating. Right. And so they changed the the draft of the script to where she, instead of being eaten by the shark, the, the girl that helps Sean up, the shark swims past her and she disappears. <laughs> but lo and behold, she helped the helicopter pilot out of the helicopter that's been capsized, and they swim away on the opposite side of the helicopter, and so the rest of the kids don't see that, and they think that she's dead. So they still have that emotional reaction. Yeah, and the helicopter capsizes in it, but, but the, there's an air pocket created. So he's, that's why he's still not dead. Right. I'm, the, he's a, that's I'm the, not dead. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I, and another reason why, because I mean, there was no PG-13 back then. It was you know, PG, PG R and G, and then and of the first X. Jaws was PG. Yeah, first yeah, it was. Uh, moving on to bar trivia. So um, this is the first Hollywood sequel to actually use the number two. The the numeral two. The numeral two. There yeah, had been another movie that used Roman numerals. Right. Two. As opposed to Roman numerals. The first uh, film to ever do this actually was a British film, Quartermass 2 in 57, and uh, Sweeney 2 in 78 that was also released right before Jaws. Uh, so we're talking about Roy Schreider here for a minute. Now, he got paid $400,000 to reprise the role of Sheriff Brody. Uh, four times what he got in the original Jaws. He was supposed to be in The Deer Hunter. Yeah. Which came out the same year. He did not feel his part was... Big enough, or yeah, makes me wonder what character he was supposed to play. Uh, I had it and I didn't write it down, but he well, that he didn't feel like his he would go to save his buddy. There was a lot. There's he had story problems, a lot mm-hmm. of discredited differences, so he didn't he he dropped out of that. So Universal offered him this, and he had to do this to really get out of that contract. He was contract bound, so he's like, okay, I'll do this one, and then they freed him from his contract. That's why he did other things, but he hated this film. <laughs> And actually, he had uh, a three-picture deal, and he had two movies left right. for, for that. And they said, do this one, and you it counts for two. Right. Like, we'll, we'll forget the last one if you just do. Because they knew, I mean, I think concerned they're looking at the Deer Hunter and then Jaws 2. They're like, well, the Deer Hunter will do what it does, but Jaws 2 will make us the money. Mm-hmm. So let's put him in, and we'll make, he'll make the money. So he did it. So he, And they paid, paid I mean, $400,000 for, what is, A, a lot of money back then, but especially a lot of money for how much he's actually in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, a lot of his, you know, his island scenes, you probably could shot in a week, and <laughs> he's he's just lounging on Pensacola Beach for the, you know, Navarre Beach for the for the rest of it, and then goes, all right, get in the boat for a little while and go kill some teenagers. I'll be back in a little bit. So I'm gonna, my ties over here. <laughs> so this the, this Jaws set off a cycle of, uh, I guess we would call fish movies. <laughs> So Jaws got three sequels, Jaws 2 in 78, Jaws 3D in 83, and then Jaws Revenge in 87. Uh, I recommend Jaws 3D just because it's a movie. <laughs> uh, it also uh, inspired Orca, uh, Piranha, Tentacles, Killer Fish, Barracuda, Blood Beach. In I'm sorry, are those all different films? These are all different yeah. movies. Okay, continue. No, that's all one long <laughs> one title. Line. I didn't know if you were just talking about like animals. I was like, the animals Piranha didn't tentacles. reproduce that's to make this. That's what studios did. They were like, <laughs> species. Oh, because all right, of cool. Blood. All right, so cool. We'll do one um, piranha. <laughs> that's an animal. Or mm, orca. We'll do that one. I like that they did, they went with the actual animal name instead of I don't know. Like this one's. You ever seen orca? Oh yeah, I saw orca too. I, oh yeah, I got. I I had to see orca because Vera Fawcett was in that. Yeah. Uh, not good. 
<laughs> not good. Also, really inappropriate for small children to watch. I watched it way too young. Um, and Which was it was PG also. It was PG also. Um, but uh, I remember Orca a lot because on the back of the Marvel comics, they had a lot of ads for Orca. There was this the great. I mean, the Orca has a great poster, and it was like I got to see this fish movie. I did. Shouldn't I saw that fish movie? Shouldn't I? no. Well, they also did um, another Peter Benchley adaptation, The Deep, which, which um, Robert Shaw was in that as well. I did not know. I'm going to see The Deep now. Nick Nolte and Jacqueline Bissett. How is it? Okay. <laughs> not Jaws. It's it's better than another Peter Benchley adaptation with Michael Caine, The Island. Oh, I've seen The Island, so yeah, it's which better is than not that. Good. Yeah, it's not, not to be confused with the Michael Bay movie, The, the Island, Island, which is also not good. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson in that. Uh, so due to difficulties uh, with weather and environment, most of the f- uh, movie was filmed in and around Fort Walton Beach, uh, which we've already discussed, and the northwest panhandle of Florida. Many ocean scenes were actually shot in Chickatawi uh, uh, Bay. I guess that's how you say that. Cable Junction was actually a, uh, a floating set made of a couple of barges that kept... Um, Getting loose and sailing away. <laughs> to go rescue that a few times. Uh, yeah, yeah. What was it? Um, they were told, yeah, your uh, floating island is floating to Cuba. <laughs> you need to get it back. Um, casting director Sherry Rhodes requested members of the Gulf Breeze uh, band to perform as the Amity High Band, uh, seen in the early uh, parts of the movie at the um, hotel. Um, the, the band... Uh, Consisted of approximately 100 members, and uh, the band director chose 20 uh, students, student musicians, including the band section uh, known as the Henley Honkers. <laughs> Universal scheduled their involvement for mid-afternoons to prevent them missing too much school. Uh, they contributed 3500 to the school, which is a lot of money back then, and the band was paid for their part of the film, so they got $10 a day, which was pretty good for a teenager in Florida back then. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Now, one other thing that's kind of, well, at least it's interesting to me. Oh, yeah, please, share. The um, the production designer slash associate producer slash second unit director, uh, Joe a lot, Alves. A lot of hats. <laughs> who later went on to direct Jaws 3D, I believe. Um, Joe Alves worked on the first Jaws movie. He also had worked with Spielberg on Night Gallery. Okay, and which is where Jeno Schwark, the ultimate director of Jaws 2, right. had also got his start. In that's fact, Spielberg cool. and Schwark had shared an office. Really? Yeah. That's- so Joe Alves worked on Jaws. Spielberg then went on after Jaws to do Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right. which was shot in Mobile. Mobile. Right. And Joe Alves was the production designer on that. Oh. And so along the way... You know, Spielberg kind of was still working on Close Encounters by the time that Jaws 2 went into production, so he wasn't really available, even if he wanted to do Right, right, film. right. But they rehired Joe Alves, and he was familiar with the area, and he's like, you know what? There's a beach down here. And he went down and scoped out Navarre Beach, and that's why they shot it down there. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I, I've thought in my head of them both making the same both movies at the same time, you know, at the, at the same time, kind of his fun. Like, we're making this other movie in Mobile. What are y'all doing? Shark movie? Shark movie. <laughs> Shark movie. Well, well, Close Encounters wrapped before Jaws right. 3, or Jaws, I'm sorry, Jaws 2 started. They wrapped way before Jaws yeah. 3. <laughs> but, um, but Spielberg was still you know, trying to get, because that, that whole movie was 
a little bit of a nightmare for him as well. But the pre-production, it was supposed to be released in 78. Right. And because of the success of Star Wars in the summer of 77, Columbia Pictures said, we need to release it in Christmas. And so they had, Spielberg had to very quickly edit the film and get it out. Have you seen Close Encounters? I was going to say that's not the little girl, but that's Poltergeist. <laughs> You, yep. you know, I'm gonna I get that we, one day. No way. We've had this conversation because you said you just said the same thing. I I, remember, that's what I said. I just I was, remember that now. I, like that's where it comes up every time we bring it up. I'm like, it's not the little girl. That's Poltergeist. <laughs> it's not the little girl. Well, Poltergeist you, is the thing with the TV. Right. It's Close Encounters. Yeah. The doo 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 doo. <laughs> that one. Yeah. And the the thing <laughs> comes and lands. <laughs> this is what I love about Justine. She's not seen anything, but she knows a lot. She just yeah, like yeah. Like hmm. I know pieces of them, and I can figure. But I have I'm not just, seen it. I'm going to no. have to show you Close Encounters it's, okay. and Poltergeist. If you yeah, the the uh, farmhouse from Close Encounters was recently up for sale. Yeah, it's up for sale. Yeah, it's yeah in, we uh, saw that. Because it's, it's off of uh, 181. It's in, it's in Fairhope, right? Mm-hmm. I've not, I've, I've, I don't even know where it's at. It's down 181 on, if you're going towards the Walmart in right. Fairhope. Okay. It's just right there on the side of the road. <laughs> kinda, just literally I, right I, there. I need to just go buy it. I'm surprised That's they didn't hide it. You know? It's like $285,000 for not a very big house. <sighs> so... Because we joked about it. Because it's Fairhope. And I was like, nope. <laughs> like it's in a movie. No, no. Oh, it's Fairhope. No, no, no. That's how Fairhope is. And we're like, oh, cool. So how would you, our listeners at home like to win something? So here's our contest. This week's contest is easy. Just answer this question. So how would you kill a killer shark? So far we've had them blown up and then electrocuted. So I will tell you what I will not do. <laughs> Pour well, gasoline on myself. <laughs> Because that didn't work. Does it not work? It didn't work, guys. You can't use that. They already tried it in the film. It did not work. <laughs> so maybe so maybe spirit with uh, the uh, front uh, end of the boat, right? And, you know, like they did in Jaws: of Revenge. I, I, uh, they did that in The Little Mermaid. You can't do that. <laughs> I kind of want to shoot it with a poison bullet. I just want to see that work. I just want to <laughs> see that work. Um, Bigger bullets. So, how would you kill a uh, killer shark? Comment on the the contest page on our Facebook page with your answer, and you can win a Jaws two Scotty White prize pack, which includes. A copy of the DVD viewed once. <laughs> Three autograph index cards, one by Christine Freeman, who plays Terry, the water skier. One by Thomas Dunlop, who plays Timmy, one of the nerds. And Billy Van Zant, who played Bob, who was one of the teenagers. <laughs> I have three autographs from them, and that's pretty awesome. And I want to give them to you, plus some other cool stuff from the Scotty White Company. So go ahead, you know what to do. You can just go to the Facebook page, and uh, there will be a post, and you can just list all your answers. We will randomly select one, usually by random number generator, <laughs> and then um, we'll send it out to you. Yay! So I've been lost in thought since we did the alternate scenes or whatever that have been the ap- apocrypha. Yeah. So, okay. The way that this film started, you have Brody rushing to get somewhere, and you just see this guy like in a hurry, not having seen any of the other films. So this is my first introduction to Jaws, in general, is he's in a hurry, and then he shows up to like uh, this opening. So to me, what it does is it sets up this character as like like his wife is more important than him. Like he just needs to be there because then she's like, "You're late. Just act like you've been bored." Like he's just her side piece. That's that's how it starts for me, because not having seen the other ones, mind you, it's just he's in a hurry, but you can tell he's like some sort of police officer, and then he gets there, and it's just to be seen by other people, and then you brought up the director that was on it before had the opening scene of like everything being boarded up, and like needing to build the economy. You wouldn't necessarily need the rest of it, but I think if they would have just kept that scene it would have set up that movie to be so much better 
just by switching that scene because it would have given a deeper meaning to them needing to push that opening and why they were panicking so much about the investors and why they needed them. Like it would have gave it a different perspective than, Oh no, we just need it to be glamorous and amazing. We're going to draw balloons on this girl in a bathing suit. It's going to be great. Like, I think that would have changed so much of that film. If you just would have put that scene in it. Yeah. I mean, totally. I, I, can see I don't, I don't understand why that wasn't it, done. It, it like somebody motiva- made a poor does, decision. It put, there. totally puts motivation into the film that what is not there. But I again, think it I f- would have changed a lot of it. But I think studios are better. And it's probably there in the first draft. I mean, to me, that's probably what's in the first well, draft. Well, Jeannot Schwartz said that he um, he brought in Howard Sackler and then Carl Gottlieb, who um, wrote the ultimate final draft of the first film, and because he didn't feel like there was enough character development. Right. <laughs> Look at there. <laughs> I think that would have helped. That would have, at least it would have explained a lot of their mannerisms. Like why it's like, no, we don't talk about it. No, we don't do that. Like it, that's not. So it just seems like they just play him off like he's a crazy person who just needs to be there to make his wife look good. And like it's all of the other stuff that might have happened in the first one, having not seen it, is just brushed aside. And it's like, no, this is just a madman well, on the island. You know what that reminds me of is Poltergeist Two, which the beginning is the neighborhood that the first movie took place in. Right. That is all deserted, and you know it's like, oh, we see the effects of what happened. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, the the chief goes and. Goes underground and yeah. oh yeah, I tell it's uh, Poltergeist two. I haven't seen it in so long. <laughs> so we're gonna do that one. You're yeah. not gonna watch Poltergeist one. You're just gonna make me watch the second one first now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of do that. We we uh, we did the second movie we did on the podcast was Star Trek First Contact. She's never seen a Star Trek movie, so I just put her in the eighth one and went, "Good luck." <laughs> that was the worst experience just in this. Good luck. <laughs> this podcast we do together. Enjoy this. Go I think on. what it did is make me hate Star Trek. I think that's what you did is you created this feeling where I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't uh, the, do it. Can't. We'll bring you back around. It'll be fine. Anyway, so I think that would have, I think that would have changed a lot for that film. Just so, that simple. Thing. So before we go, I have some fun facts. Are you ready for some fun facts? Yes. Fun facts about great white sharks. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Great whites on average get about 15 feet long, but some of them have been measured over 20 feet long. Those are big sharks. Great whites can swim over uh, over 37 miles per hour. I guess that boat was much slower than 37 <laughs> miles an hour. Or that was a super... No, this was a super shark. Super shark. Doesn't count. Jaws 2 was like, I got I can do 68. Revenge does that to you, man. <laughs> Pick up some cars and stuff. Uh, great whites have 300 sharp triangle, uh, triangular teeth arranged in seven rows. Um, there have been uh, five to ten... There are, on average, about five to ten great white attacks on humans each year, but research don't think they're preying on humans, just taking sample bites and moving on. Uh, nom, nom. Nipping. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Uh, great whites have a song, uh, strong sense of smell. They can detect a colony of seals two miles away. Mm. Also, if you put a single drop of water in 26 gallons of water, they can smell it. Uh, great white pups are able to take care of themselves as soon as they're born because, well, mom will probably eat them. <laughs> So like they come out and like save yourself like Hunger Games. They <laughs> yes, just have to yes, immediately straight away. Bo- it's like we're born. Life is n- oh my god. And they Whoever's running. the slowest dies. Pretty much. That's um, intense, man. That will be the plot of Jaws Five. Jaws yeah. yeah. Um, some facts about shark that's attacks. How the, that's how the revenge sharks are born. <laughs> like they just keep coming from the same bloodline. So how many? This is a question for for the audience here for 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 you two. Um, how many shark attacks do you th- unprovoked shark attacks are reported each year? Reported or happen? R- reported, reported. Worldwide? Worldwide, a year. Um, maybe about 60. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to think 459. 80. Okay, well, I was really sh- 
like shoot for sharks there. Like, get it, guys. <laughs> get together, sharks. I don't know if sharks listen to the podcast, but you know, it's good to know that you're rooting for them. I got you, buddy. Uh, the great white, the tiger, and the bull shark are responsible for the double-digit numbers of fatal, unprovoked attacks on humans. Between 1958 and two thousand, <laughs> between nineteen fifty eight and two thousand eighteen, there were one thousand one hundred four attacks with thirty five fatalities in the United States, not counting Hawaii. The last fatality was in two thousand eighteen. Between nineteen fifty eight and two thousand eighteen, there were one hundred thirty seven attacks and eleven deaths in Hawaii. The last one happening in May of uh, this year, two thousand nineteen. For those who are listening in the future. Uh, that involved a 65-year-old man who was attacked while swimming. The shark uh, bit in his torso and ate his left leg below the knee. Ouch. Uh, he it's did just not a snack. <laughs> it was a notable people who have survived shark attacks. Bethany Hamilton, the pro surfer who lost her left arm uh, but returned to uh, surfing. Uh, film Soul Surfer was released based on her autobiography. The same that. same name, so that really happened. Rodney Fox, an Australian filmmaker. He had massive injuries. Uh, still has a shark tooth embedded in his wrist. He's the first to develop the underwater observation cage for sharks. So he's like, I'm going to take the shark tooth and I'm going to make a cage so we can all see the sharks. <laughs> right. the, the cage that was featured in the first Jaws film? Yep. Wow. Yep. Built by the Australian filmmaker. Very nice. So, uh, paying the tab. This one's a little hard because box office mojo only goes really detailed to 1982. 81's got some details. This was hey, do you know how much a shark has to eat? Like... Needs to eat? No. The requires? The homework for next week. Oh, gosh. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta get my notebook. Homework for, for next week. Because I need to know if that, la- that leg really satisfied the shark or if that shark was just teasing itself. Well, sharks will I just eat know. anything. Right. They will. So Jaws 2 was released uh, on June 16th, 1978 with a budget uh, estimated at $20 million. It made $106 million worldwide with an opening weekend of $9.8 million. Really good. Really, really good. It, it did really well. Um, top movies of the, of the year were Jaws 2, Halloween, The Deer Hunter, uh, Grease, and Superman 2. So, yay. That was Jaws 2. Would you recommend this film? I would recommend it. I, I think it's, it's, it's a fun movie. It's not as, obviously, not as good as the original film, but it really is a nice little adventure film, and, um, and it's fun and kind of scary in a couple scenes. So, so when showing this, would you pair this with Jaws, or would you show Jaws first and, like, we're going to wait a little while, but then... J- I don't know if I would show it immediately after seeing the first film. Or show, um, show, show Jaws to you first and go, wait, wait, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. Well, that's the way I saw it first. So, yeah, maybe that would be the better way. worked out for you. Justina, what about you? Well, I think if they changed that first scene, I would recommend it more. <laughs> but it would be interesting to watch them together. I feel like it would be interesting to watch them together. But now I'm curious to see the effects of like what happens the first one and then do they just go straight into like yeah. the teenagers sailing in the second one like everybody's like nah cool we're just gonna hang out well like, it's nice like for instance to see the orca at the beginning of this movie because mm-hmm. that is obviously the ship that or the boat that they they had in the first film and so it's like oh the orca cool yeah. but you know there's not a whole lot of throwbacks to the mm-hmm. first movie which, which is which is actually great, and it's, uh, let me say this too, no, real please. quick, is that this is a completely different kind of movie, mm-hmm. and I think that in that regard, it is a successful sequel. It, I, I didn't need to see the first one to watch this one. I did appreciate that I wasn't lost the whole time. So they didn't just retread the same plot; they they did yeah. something different. Yeah. Um, I, I applaud what they tried to do. There's a, there's a lot of a lot of missteps, but I think it's just limits of technology and time and script. But yeah. Um, it's fun though. It really is fun. It, it, it's, 
I you know it's kind of a how you know like a slasher film. I mean, it's set up like a slasher film, and it's. Do you like slasher films, Scotty? I do. Okay. I, I, I mean, you know, Halloween's fun. I like. They hit know, your heart. Not really, but I I do enjoy a good one. If they're slashing right, they'd hit your heart. Exactly, you have to slash really good, like in a Z for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's a fun movie. Uh, it's it's something I definitely. If you're gonna have a shark bite to drink, I would I would de- definitely without. I'm gonna fall. try to make that so look can, so beautiful. <laughs> do a viewing of Jaws 3D. <laughs> I do wonder though if they had just cut Brody out of the film completely and just focused on the teenagers It'll, the entire I, film. I think I think it works, uh, minus the fact that you got to have someone you know. How do you do the rescue, or do the teens rescue themselves? They rescue themselves. I think so too, because well, you know, they are pretty, pretty handy. See all that rope they have? They have lots of rope. <laughs> lots of rope. They got this. So, Steve, uh, we talked about your film. Uh, remind everybody else where they can see it. Uh, <clears throat> the film is called Survey, and uh, if you are in the Pensacola area, you may come by Sam's Fun City Saturday the fourteenth. Uh, at 7 p.m. to see my film and a couple others and do a, uh, watch a cast and crew Q&A. Um, it's free. You don't have to pay admission to go in. Even better. Uh, and if anybody wants to hunt you down on the internet, can they do that? Um, it is, oh, hunt me down on the internet? Yes. Um, yeah, they, you can find me on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. <laughs> um and don't ask me what the uh, the URLs for everything. That's all right. We'll find them and we'll put them on the show notes. How about that? We'll do that. Uh, you can find me at uh, at Scotty White on Twitter, uh, Scotty White on Instagram. Of course, you can go to the Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash cult movie cantina to find everything and just Dina because she's. Yeah. If you just want to find me, stalk Scotty. <laughs> I'm on there. And then you got me done. Uh, every, everything else you can find on scottywhite.com. Uh, I don't know my stuff. I think it's just my name. I don't know. It is. It's just. Uh, I know your. I know your stuff. Nobody has my name. But so you don't really post a lot, so it's, I, don't, I don't. So I don't. I do. I like and heart. Yeah, she likes and hearts everything. Yeah, I do. So. Not a lot of angry. I don't think I've ever used the anger one. Is there an anger one? Uh, on the reactions. Is there an anger one? There's an anger one. See, Scotty hasn't either. We're very optimistic. We are up top, buddy. <laughs> right, right there. Oh, there it is. I'm, I'm mostly hearts and wow, because like. Oh, I've done the wow. Because yeah. I, I just think uh, Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> I didn't wow. think that, but now I. Now, will. now you dare to click it. Thanks. Oh, wow. Appreciate that. There's a laughing one too. Oh, there's a laughing one. So yeah. Oh yeah, I've done that one too. Um, so it's not the anger. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> an angry person. A shark one. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is uh, me saying. This is our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. Goodbye! Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.